Ghost. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Brethren in Christ, let to Jesus Christus. Welcome to the Meaning of Catholic. I'm Timothy S. Flanders. Today we're going to talk about the spirit of fornication and pornography and lust. Um, we're going to talk through some of the basics today, and then we're going to be talking more practical things with Kennedy Hall next week. That's going to pre premiere on Monday at 11.30 Eastern Time. Um, so send me all your questions. We can deal with those. Um, we're going to record that tomorrow, and then it'll premiere on uh, Monday. So comment, uh, give me all your questions, give us all everything you're thinking about, and we can address those as we can. Um, but first, before with that, I wanted to address a question that I had about the charismatic um, show that we did on Monday. Um, someone had asked about um, someone that they know who um, basically believes that God is constantly speaking to them um, in the ordinary things of life. So, for example, if they wanted to drink, have this soup or that soup, then they look at the soup and it's by the Sacred Heart of Jesus icon on the wall. And so they say, well, God must want me to drink this soup or whatever. So um, <clears throat> basically, I would distinguish between ordinary and extraordinary um, movements of the Holy Ghost. Um, in the ordinary sense, meaning the ordinary sense is what happens most of the time, um, is that God enlightens your intellect uh, through the virtue of faith and enlightens you faith, hope, and charity, enlightens you with the gifts of the Holy Ghost through counsel, um, and enlightens your reason so that you are empowered in your reason because your reason is darkened by original sin. So normally your reason is inclined toward evil and cannot think straight. Um, so it enlightens your reason, and so you're able to make reasoned decisions by the grace of God. Now, it does mean that your sort of so-called mundane tasks, like choosing between which soup you want to drink, is still going to be offered to God. Because St. Paul says, whatever you do, whether a word or deed, give, do all to in the name of Jesus Christ. And so even in so-called so mundane tasks, we're still going to offer those things to God. And they're still going to be consecrated to God. Um, and um, But the ordinary sense is that God is not speaking to you directly about your ordinary things because he's speaking to your intellect. He's enlightening your intellect to rationally uh, discern right from wrong and good from bad in terms of what you need in your daily life. Um, now there's also the extraordinary mode where God is speaking to you. Um, now that's extraordinary in two senses. In one sense it's extraordinary because it's simply rare. It rarely happens. Um, it you know, God may speak to St. Joan of Arc to call her to her divine mission um, before she may have a progressed in sanctity. Um, so extraordinary in the sense of just God rarely does it. He chooses special people for that type of thing. But there's also, it's extraordinary in the sense that um, when you ascend the nine levels of prayer and you've, uh, you've you know, achieved the transforming union, you're, you're constantly praying to God at all, at all times without ceasing. Then God is also speaking to you at all times, but you, that's because you've, you've uh, reached a, a high degree of sanctity. So that type of mode is also positive, possible in that sense. Um, but 
if you are, if you think that God's speaking to you at all times, um, a, a very easy way to discern that is to talk with a trusted friend or a priest about it, because a third party can often discern whether or not that's really happening or not. And it also shows that you're, you're being humble because you're submitting your judgment to someone else. You're not relying on your own judgment. Dom Scupolis in Spiritual Combat says the fundamental axiom of the spiritual life is distrust of self and trust in God. And part of that is, is putting more trust in someone else's judgment who's going to be a lot more objective most of the time if they're a pious friend or a priest because they can, they can, they can see without the passions that are churning within you. They can see something that's in you that um, you may not see. And that's why the Proverbs says, he who heeds discipline shows the way to life, but he who ignores correction leads others astray. And so that's a very important aspect of that. Um, so, you know, if you, or if you have a friend who says that God's always speaking to them, you can then look at their life. You know, are they, are they a saint? I mean, is that what's going on? Are they just remarkable for holiness, healing people, working miracles? Do they have great humility? Do they suffer extraordinary, extraordinarily well? I mean, you may be dealing with a saint, or it could be just someone who is very superstitious and is always kind of um, exceeding the mode of the virtue of religion, which is the vice of superstition. Um, so that could also be the case. So um, that is what I will say to that question. Um, I'm sorry we were going to try to address that, but I forgot to address that question in the last show. So... Um, but so today we're going to talk about the spirit of fornication. So the spirit of fornication, the term comes from the litany of the saints. And one of the, one of the, uh, petitions is from the spirit of fornication, deliver us, O Lord. And this was one of the things that was removed from the new litany of the saints. So the new litany of the saints doesn't have that petition, which is bitterly ironic because perhaps more than any age since, maybe pagan Rome, our society is consumed and enslaved by the spirit of fornication. And what is, what is worse is, St. Alphonsus says, he says, <clears throat> now keep in mind, St. Alphonsus died in 1787. So the American Revolution had just happened, the French Revolution was in the midst of happening and he says this in 1787. He says, This matter, meaning the Sixth and Ninth Commandments, impurity, fornication, <clears throat> this matter is the more frequent and abundant in confessions, and on account of which a greater number of souls fall into hell. I do not hesitate to assert that everyone who has been damned was damned on account of one this one vice of sexual impurity, or at least not without it. So that's, that's St. Alphonsus saying in 1789, it was so severe then that according to every, all his experience as a confessor, he believed that everyone he knew who he had a strong moral certainty who was damned because he's attending at their deathbed and everything was damned because of this sexual sin of impurity. So this is a very, very, very grave matter, and, and that's why we're going to do two shows, and we're going to continue to talk about this. And we're doing, we're doing these shows especially because Septuagesima is coming, February 9. Lent is coming at the end of February. This is the time, brethren. 
if you are afflicted with the spirit of fornication, if you are enslaved to this spirit of fornication, if you are enslaved to this passion, now is the time to get free. Now is the time to break the chains that have bound you for how many years? It's time to man up and destroy this spirit with the power of Christ. So we're going to talk about some of the basics and the important things that, to understand about this. So I want a quick review the uh, theological notes that we discussed <clears throat> because we're going to talk a little bit about that in this. Now remember, St. Alphonsus dies 1787. Now that is at the end of the period which is known as scholasticism. That period goes from about 1100 to 1787 or around thereabouts. And St. Alphonsus is called the doctor of moral theology. He sort of takes all the scholastics and summarizes them and summarizes their teaching. And Pius XI, blessed Pius XI in, uh, I think it's Tuas Libenter, says that the consensus of the scholastics is of the faith. It is an infallible source for the church. And why is that? It's because the scholastics from the year 1100 to 1780, uh, right thereabouts, uh, were so closely bound up with the magisterium, they were working together with the magisterium to work out the truths of faith. Obviously, the highest among them is St. Thomas Aquinas, and he died in 1274, and many of the scholastics build on his work. So, why is that infallible? It's because the church is infallible. The, the church, God would not allow the church to fall into grave error as she's working with the scholastics during this period to work out these propositions. God would not allow these things to fall into error. Um, and, and so that the con whole consensus is infallible, going over all that 600 years. So that consensus is infallible. So when we talk about what I'm going to talk about in terms of St. Alphonsus, when he discusses these things, he's talking about a very high authority. This isn't just uh, an opinion, you know, something that we can just throw away. So unfortunately, that, that really was what actually happened at the Second Vatican Council was that the, the moral theologians wanted to remove all the scholastics from moral theology, and that's what caused, even according to Ratzinger, even according to Ratzinger, that's what's caused the collapse of moral theology. And so we need to take this very seriously. So we're going to talk a little bit about this thing today. So <clears throat> let me see where I am here. Um, so we talked about the importance of this um, the importance of this import, understanding this vice properly um, according to the moral theology of the church according to the consensus of the scholastics according to the saints and not according to the latest fad in moral theology that's, that's been going on on and off on all, sort, on sides, all sides even conservative, liberal they all have different opinions about this stuff but we hold as Catholics to in piety to the consensus of the saints and the, and the scholastics and the doctors, their, their consensus is what we hold to for these things. So I want to talk quickly a little bit about terms. Now, there are terms that the scholastics have used when we talk about the Sixth and Ninth Commandments for the sake of modesty. We don't go around just saying um, anything in particular because the virtue of modesty also governs our speech. So when we talk about there's a term that I've used before, it's called the conjugal act. That term refers to sexual intercourse. So the conjugal act is, or the marital debt is another term for it, and that comes from St. Paul. So those terms are used to refer to sexual intercourse, and 
we don't say we don't say otherwise because of modesty. So we're talking about that. Another another term is venereal pleasure. Venereal venereal pleasure pleasure is a type of pleasure which is contained in your concupiscible appetite. And we talked about concupiscible appetites in your body, it's in your senses. It's not in your intellect and your will. So it's in your body, your concupiscible appetite, and that is that is the appetite which is inclined toward pleasure which is immediate. Um, that means, in particular, it is ordered towards the conjugal act and food. Those are the big, big two in the in the concupiscible appetite, and that's why fasting is so important to overcome lust. We'll talk about that with Kennedy Hall. So, so venereal pleasure is the pleasure that comes through the conjugal act. Venereal pleasure is necessary in order to complete the conjugal act and fulfill it in the bonds of marriage. And so um, venereal pleasure is the pleasure associated with the conjugal act. So um, the definition of chastity, so we're going to go to Prumer first. So Prumer um, defines chastity, okay? He says, chastity is the virtue which moderates the desire, desire for venereal pleasure in accordance with the dictates of right reason, okay? So it means that we are uh, if you are married, you are moderating that the fulfillment and the and the the desire for the venereal pleasure, the moderating that and that fulfillment of that desire. And if you're unmarried, you are controlling that desire so that that desire is never uh, practiced at all. And we're going to talk about that. Um, so that is those are the distinctions here. So chastity is both unmarried and married. Chastity is, is just the, the virtue of moderating that concupiscible appetite according to right reason. So in the fallen state, our concupiscible appetite rules us because we are irrational. We, our minds are darkened, our intellect is darkened, our will is weakened, and our concupiscible appetite especially will rule over us. So we're not acting according to right reason. We're just being a slave to this passion. Um, and that's why we'll, we'll talk about this too. And that um, one of the greatest bene- one of the greatest um, contributions to this is uh, E. Michael Jones' *Libido del Dominante*, which he he points out how even since the French Revolution, the enemies of Christ have been using the concupiscible appetite to control men for political power. They understand that this is such a powerful thing that then the French Revolution. Um, they started. They introduced pornography in order to control the people, and so this is part of a political control program, and people are well aware of it. And it's and so that we'll talk about that as well. As um, well, so we got the concupiscible appetite. The venereal pleasure needs to be moderated or cut off. Now, when we talk about um, this sin, we're going to talk about um, there is the definition of mortal sin is. You should know it. So there, there's um, full consent of the will uh, and grave matter, full knowledge. Now, will and knowledge are, are kind of in one where it, it talks about willfulness. So when you're, when you're doing something that's willful, it means you know what you're doing. So there has to be a grave matter. Now, St. Alphonsus discusses, again, going back to the moral theology here, he discusses the um, whether or not the sixth commandment can have paucity of matter. Paucity of matter means it's the opposite of grave matter. So anything that has paucity of matter can be a venial sin because it's um, it's not grave. So it's not a grave thing. It's paucity of matter. 
So he discusses whether the Sixth Commandment can have positive matter, and he says no. According to the theologians, he says, um, every carnal and lustful delectation taken with knowledge and deliberation is a mortal sin. Um, every carnal enjoyment or arousal of the Spirit's serving generation is, is a certain inchoate pollution or movement towards pollution. Now here's another term. Pollution is um, the, the act whereby the genital faculty, the genital organ, is uh, climaxed, is, is completed in the venereal act outside of the conjugal act. So that's what pollution is. So that's um, so we talk about another term is the solitary sin or self-abuse. Those are the proper terms for it. Those are the terms for masturbation. Masturbation is another term for pollution. So pollution is acting out the um, sexual act, the conjugal act, without uh, the fullness of the, the conjugal act between man and wife. So um, St. Alphonsus is saying that um, the venereal pleasure is ordered straight towards this pollution. And there is no positive matter because the procreative generative faculty is so strong. It is something that God endowed within man so that he may procreate. And so it's a very strong, and it's a fundamental command. So it's a very strong natural law inclination of your, your body to do this thing. And so to improperly use it, is quickly mortally sinful. It's it is a grave matter. Saint Alphonsus says so. It's a it's a grave matter. There's no paucity of matter in the sixth and ninth commandment. So that means what this means is that it means that lust is a mortal sin. It means that uh, our Lord said, "He who looks at a woman with lust in his heart has committed adultery with him and with her in his heart." That is a mortal sin. I mean, because there's no there's no paucity of matter. It's a grave matter every time. Now, he does point out that you you need to, do need to have that willfulness and the knowledge. Um, so it could be venial, perhaps if you were completely ignorant. But we need to be very careful with that because there is such a strong natural law inclination towards uh, monogamy and. Um, faithfulness to the spouse, um, there's such a strong uh, law against adultery in every single culture. Um, you know, really any culture you go to, there are some, de- I mean, there, there are depraved cultures as well that have promiscuity and things of that nature, but there's still a strong natural inclina- inclination towards um, being faithful to one's spouse. And so it's very difficult, it's, it's a slippery slope to start talking about ignorance because Nowadays, people just, everybody's ignorant and everybody's innocent. That's kind of the, the default. But when we look at the saints, the saints are not talking that way. Um, as I said, St. Alphonsus is saying people are, everyone is damned because of sexual sin. So this is a very serious, very serious, very grave matter. <clears throat> so now when we talk about there's no positive matter, so what I mean, like I say, I'm saying that there's no, uh, there's no venial sin unless you're completely ignorant and, and forced somehow, basically. But it's very rare that that can be it. The people who are watching this video, likely none of you uh, are able to commit this sin uh, without will, without, um, without some knowledge. Because we all know, we all live in the society. If you're speaking English, you live in some English-speaking society, you have access to English media. 
you ha- you're polluted with all this filth in the English-speaking world. So it's there. So we can't, we can't fall back on the excuse that we're Ill-will- uh, not willful or ignorant or anything like that. We have to resist this sin with everything in us because it's a grave matter. It's not something flippant, something that we can just pass off as a venial sin. It is a grave matter. Now, we're going to talk about the seven stages of sin, however, because most of the sins that are committed against the Sixth and Ninth Commandments are internal. So there are seven stages of sin, one, one demarcation at least of it, takes seven stages. So stage one is a suggestion, okay? We're going to talk about this a little bit more, but... So number one is suggestion. The demons or the, the world, the flesh, and the devil suggest something to you, okay? Now the second stage is pleasure. And that's when your will comes in. So before that, stage one, your will was not yet involved. It was simply an involuntary action where, that you received. So a suggestion is not a sin. It's never a sin ever, okay? That's a very important point because scrupulous people can start to become anxious about the suggestions that come to them. So the suggestions come from the world, the flesh, the devil, and they are, so they're going to, it could be an image. It could be something you physically see. Um, it could be just a, a word or a phrase put into your mind, something like that. It's a, just a suggestion. Okay. Um, in Greek theology, they call these logismi. These are just all these words and, and, um, filth that gets thrown into your mind. Okay. Those are all suggestions. Okay. Now that can include an inclination or an excitement of your concupiscible appetite. So it's something that happens just instantaneously. Your concupiscible appetite immediately just sort of, um, it's like if you smelled a, um, your mother's cooking and it smelled delicious and you wanted to eat it. So you smelled it and you immediately felt that pleasure and that, and that concupiscible appetite. Your concupiscible appetite wanted that food. And it's the same thing with the sixth and ninth commandment. So you had a suggestion. Your concupiscible appetite rises up. You still have not sinned. Okay, there's no sin involved at all because your will has not acted. And that's the key point. Your will has not acted, okay? So stage two is pleasure. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that is, but essentially it's St. Alphonsus says it's when you turn, basically, you, you act on your will and you choose to uh, excite that pleasure further. So you get the pleasure and you want more of it and you turn towards it, okay? So stage three, we'll just go through these real quick and then we'll talk about St. Alphonsus. Stage three is consent. So consenting is different than pleasure because you're not only uh, willing the pleasure, but you're really willing the act. Um, so you are, you're consenting, you, you're turning your will fully and perfectly towards this pleasure. You want to continue this pleasure. So you may even initiate it again in the future. So you're, you're not only going off of a suggestion, but you're going to initiate it again out of your consent. So then number four is the first time that it becomes external. Okay. Number four is when you actually act on it. So when you actually do something outside of yourself based on your internal struggle, you act on it. Okay. And then from there, it just gets worse and worse. So after you start acting on it, then it becomes a habit. Number five, after it becomes a habit, then it becomes slavery. Number six, and after it becomes slavery, then there's number seven and which is spiritual blindness. So that's when, because sin 
darkens your intellect, you are completely irrational at that point. You, there's no reasoned argument that can argue with you. And that's why as one of the, another E. Michael Jones classic is a book called Degenerate Moderns, where he discusses a lot of the modern thinkers, such as Freud and others, Luther, were struggling with sexual sin. And when they fell into this sexual sin, it darkened their intellect and it caused them to put forth these twisted philosophies in order to try to rationalize their sexual misbehavior. So all their sins against the Sixth and Ninth Commandments caused them, caused their intellect to darken, and they were spiritually blind. And so they put forth all these lies and philosophy to try to rationalize themselves. And that's what happens when you get into spiritual blindness, when you're so blind, you cannot get out of it. And so that's that is the danger of this and that's what's so powerful about this sin is that it is based so strongly on a natural good inclination to procreate it's a natural good inclination to get married and procreate that's that is a command from god so most people fulfill that command most people get married so it's it's something that most people have this inclination and must learn to moderate um so that is why um St. Alphonsus says, like I said, it's, it's the, there's no paucity of matter. So, I'm going to talk a little bit about, I'm going to provide a quote. This is a quote from a, a uh, sermon that I'll, I'll link. Again, there's a, a great collection of sermons from St. Alphonsus. He goes through the whole year, and he, there's just a number of different topics, and he goes through the traditional lectionary and just has a ton of great information. So, take a look at that. It's all free. It's a free PDF online. So this is from his sermon on bad thoughts. So he talks about, he discusses um, the suggestion, the difference between the suggestion and the and the uh, the pleasure. The delect, he calls it the delectation, which is the taking of the pleasure. So he he says this quote: "The delectation takes place when the person stops, as it were, to look at the bad thought, which by its pleasing appearance causes delight." Now then he discusses. Um, the, the sinfulness of it. And he says, unless the will consents to it, this delectation is not a mortal sin. So if you're just turning your will to it just to feel the good pleasures and you're not even thinking, you're not going further to will perfectly what this is, you're just taking the pleasure. It's simply a venial sin um, in general. Now we're talking in general. We're not talking about the sixth commandment yet. Okay. So he's just talking about in general, all sin. Okay. So this delectation is not a moral sin, but it is a venial sin. And if not resisted, the soul is in danger of consenting to it. But when this danger is not proximate, the sin is only venial. Now he also states that this resistance is a cause of merit. And so it's, it's, a, it's basically uh, the devil bringing uh, foes to you and you destroying them and refusing them. And it's an act of merit because it's an act of charity towards your God. It's an act of love towards Jesus Christ to reject all of these sinful thoughts and to reject all of these pleasures. So it is an occasion of merit. So it, so when you get the suggestion, it's either an occasion of merit or an occasion of venial sin, if you turn to the detectation. But then he, he points out, he talks about the Sixth Commandment. So here, here's what he says about the Sixth Commandment. He says, It is necessary to remark that when the thought which excites the delight is against chastity, we are, according to the common opinion of the theologians, bound under pain of mortal sin to give positive resistance to the delectation caused by the thought. 
because, if not resisted, the delight easily obtains the consent of the will. So, an important point here is he, he discusses the common opinion of the theologians. So what is he saying here? He's saying this is a sententia communis. This is the, the common opinion of the theologians from the consensus of the scholastics. And we talked about the consensus is infallible, but in this case, it is of a lower authority. So it's a sententia communis. Remember, that is something that we are bound to accept unless we have a grave cause otherwise. Okay, so this is a very high authority, but it's not the infallible um, definitive authority. So he is making reference to the, the sententia communis here. So, um, so then he says, if it is not resisted, the delight easily obtains the consent of the will. So that, it's like we talked about, there's no positive matter. It's, it's a grave matter. It very quickly gets the consent of your will because it's, it's working to twist a natural uh, procreative inclination that you have and to twist that towards evil. So then he goes on. <clears throat> Hence, though a person should not consent to the sin, if he delights in the obscene object and does not endeavor to resist the delectation, he is guilty of a mortal sin by exposing himself to the proximate danger of consent. Okay, so exposing yourself to the proximate danger of mortal sin, so consenting to the Sixth Commandment, is a mortal sin. So if you can, if you expose yourself to the proximate danger of the mortal sin, that's a mortal sin itself. So this is all the reasoning that the San Francis is bringing to us from the theologians. Um, so the, uh, he says that, that the consent, which is the cause of mortal sin takes place when the person clearly knows that the object is mortal sinful and embraces it perfectly with the will. So then he talks about that third level that we talked about. So it's, it's a much more perfect, uh, willfulness. So the the pleasure is willful, but it's just simply sort of a, a base sensuality where you're you're simply um, wanting more of that pleasure and not thinking at all about it. Whereas um, the consent is where now you've thought about it. Now you realize yes, this is wrong, and now you further choose to do it, even though you know it's wrong. Now it's important to note here that. St. Alphonsus still shows that the pleasure is morally sinful, even though when we talk about full consent of the will, full knowledge, we tend to maximize that to the point where you have to have, you know, this perfect understanding and perfect knowledge of everything in order to have a mortal sin. But that's not the way that St. Alphonsus and the other saints talk about mortal sin. They talk about mortal sin is very easy. Um, and these are against these very strong natural inclinations to the contrary, where you, you, you know, uh, sort of in a base instinct, you do know that it's wrong, uh, because you are inclined to a married state. So <clears throat> another important point is this with the delectation, the delectation is in your concupiscible appetite. Now we need to dist make a further distinction and that's between uh, and this is this is completely coming from my own reasoning as well. This is not coming from St. Alphonsus. So this is, take that for what it's worth. But um, because the intellect is inclined towards knowing the truth, okay? The will is inclined towards doing the good, according to the natural constitution, not according to the original sin. So what that means is that the intellect takes a sort of an intellectual pleasure in the truth, and the will takes a sort of willful pleasure in doing the good. Um, and the concupiscible and irascible appetites uh, 
they simply take pleasure in a in sort of a base sensual way which is not according to reason it's just according to pleasure in general and so that needs to be moderated for the right reason and the reason i'm saying this is because um, the suggestion may come with it a pleasure uh, an intellectual pleasure so um, if you see a beautiful painting there is an intellectual pleasure because you see it and your intellect recognizes it as beautiful and that's a truth and so you take your intellect takes pleasure in the truth okay now your concupiscible appetite may also take pleasure which is the sensual pleasure and then you have the choice of taking that pleasure with that level two with with willing to have that pleasure but the thing is that your intellectual pleasure in the truth is immediate and involuntary if it's recognized as true. So th that's when we talk about um, because of the pervasiveness of the spirit of fornication, um, immodesty is everywhere. And the difficulty is that any man sees women all over the place, whether commercials, TV, going to the grocery store. And it's really impossible to not see that unless you become a monk all the more reason to be a monk. So certainly do that if you're called to it. But um, if you have to live in the world, you will see that. And so there is an involuntary intellectual pleasure because when you see what's beautiful, it's beautiful, it's true. Your intellect recognizes that immediately. But as as St. Alphonsus says, you are bound on a point pain of mortal sin to give positive resistance to it, which means you immediately turn away from that immediately you don't hesitate you do it immediately because as we'll talk about on monday with kennedy the saints tell us that the way that lust is conquered is that you always flee you never face the temptation it is conquered by flight that's how you do it because when you try to face that you're trusting in your own power you're trusting in your own power to overcome that instead of trusting in God and considering your weakness. Because the power of this particular sin, sin is so powerful that it can quickly corrupt a man, quickly bring him down, as the history of the world has shown. I mean, you, King David is the most classic example of that. A man after God on his heart, God's own heart is brought down by this temptation because he trusted himself to continue to look at this woman which brought him to great if sin, not only adultery, but murder. And so we need to distrust ourselves, trust in God, and understand that. So, so making it that distinction is also helpful for scrupulous people because you, can't, you need to consider your will. What is your will? When is your will acting? Because sometimes images are presented to your, your brain or your, your eyes completely involuntary. It is, it's, you had no will in the matter. It was presented to you, it's forced in front of you, and that's it. And then you have a choice. That's, that is when you can either sin or gain merit. That's the occasion of merit or the occasion of sin. So let's pray that we may all be given the grace to fast during the great fast, because this is one of the greatest keys to overcoming this, because it's in the concupiscible appetite. So give us the grace, O Lord, to fast and to overcome 
this spirit of fornication, this demon of lust. So let's pray. Please send me all your comments. Comment, like, and subscribe. Um, thank you to all the patrons. Keep sending me your questions. I will try to address everything. Um, and then so tune in on Monday, 1130 Eastern Time for Kennedy Hall and myself. We'll talk further, a lot more practical things about how to overcome this. Um, so let's pray because we want to um, be saved from the fires of hell because this sin brings so many souls to hell. We need to be saved from these fires in order to inherit eternal life. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.